You're listening to the audio-only version of the Moe Gamer podcast. Don't forget you can watch a video version of this episode over on YouTube. Check moegamer.net for a link to the channel. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the last Moe Gamer podcast of the decade, uh, where both of us are apparently reasonably sleep deprived, so this should be a fun one. Um... (laughs) So yeah, um, I'm Pete Davison from MarioGamer.net, and as usual, I'm joined by Chris Kasky from MrGuildOfPixels.com. How are you doing today, apart from the lack of sleep then? Oh, I'm doing just fine. No yeah. major complaints. Yeah, well, holiday season, isn't it? So you can, in theory, anyway, leave a lot of those complaints behind and deal with them in the new year, hopefully. Yeah, I've got a pile of leftover cookies and a couple new games, so it could get much worse. Sounds good. Sounds pretty good. Alright, so today's episode, uh, we're going to follow our usual format, Uh, so we're going to start with a bit of news and stuff. Uh, I must confess, I've not been staying terribly on top of the news over the holiday season, but we do have a few things to talk about that uh, both of us have made some notes on, so we'll have a look at those. Uh, Then we've both got a bunch of cool games that we want to talk about uh, that we've been playing recently, I'm sure. Uh, And then our third topic for the day, uh, the main topic of the episode, we're going to be talking about what we're looking forward to in 2020. Not necessarily what is coming out in 2020, but what we're actually looking forward to playing in 2020. So uh, from my perspective, this will probably be a lot of things that I'll be covering in detail on uh, the Moe Gamer site um, as cover game features. So um, yeah, not necessarily new things. But uh, things we're looking forward to finally getting around to and have made some sort of semi-concrete plans to tackle. So, all right, let's begin with the news. So, uh, first thing we've got noted down here uh, is that there's a new Cyrilim game on the way. Uh, So Chris has talked about Cyrilim a couple of times previously. This is the sort of uh, indie monster-catching um procedurally generated monstrosity of an rpg that you could potentially play forever isn't it yeah yeah so i don't know uh i'm just i can't believe how prolific this developer is yeah like this is the fourth now now fourth game like in just in just our most recent episode i mentioned how i passed on three because i felt that two was so massive that i didn't i didn't need to play it but now now four is on the way uh and uh (laughs) And apparently they've ditched the old breeding system and replaced it with a fusion system that allows you yeah. to combine character uh, monsters together. And uh, the creator is bragging that there is over 4 million possible different appearances nice. for, for monster combos. Because you can actually choose, based on the two creatures you fuse, they're going to throw like four different design like color palettes at you. And you can actually pick the way the monster looks after the fusion which i think is a really neat idea yeah so yeah, yeah it's gonna be interesting a lot of additional customization coming for the ability to build your castle it's looking like your character is going to be more customizable than ever before they can almost like specialize in a class um which certainly wasn't part of the picture in two obviously i can't speak to three but yeah. um yeah just more more of everything which is what yeah. this series does really well yeah i appreciate the fact it still looks like a shareware game from the late 90s yes. <laughs> originally yeah, it's got- i didn't love that about this series but it's it's aesthetic is starting to grow on me yeah yeah it's it's an acquired taste for sure but yeah i, I really like it I, th- I think he's done something to the font 
uh which which makes it look a lot nicer as well but the the sort of tile set and the the sort of very sharp edges on everything and black outlines around everything and uh, quite limited use of color and stuff yeah it looks looks very much like a it, I mean, it's not 16 colors, but it, it it has the kind of aesthetic of like a a 640 by 480 high res VGA PC role playing game from the late 90s, and that's yeah, that's that's something that's going to appeal to a certain type of player, I think. And then there's some lovely pixel art for the creatures themselves in battle as well. Those are really nice. Mm-hmm, yeah, and it's re- and that that's really come up. Like the strength of the pixel art specifically that they're showing for this new version has come a very long way from the original versions one and two yeah. um and they're saying now there's over 300 new creatures coming to the new one so yeah. that's three, 300 new monsters not 300 monsters total oh god <laughs> yeah crazy stuff all right uh moving on we got some falcom news a fair bit of falcom news actually so falcom has announced uh, a new uh, legend of heroes game rather than continually remaking old ones um yeah, this is uh, The Legend of Heroes Hajimari no Kiseki, which basically translates to Trails of the Beginning or Trails of Origin. This is coming out in Japan in summer 2020 uh, in time for the 15th anniversary of the Trails series. So not of the Legend of Heroes series, but specifically of the Trails series. Um, yeah, so this this is looking like it's, um, it's bringing together a bunch of uh, characters from the various different sub-series of Trails. So it seems like there's characters from Trails in the Sky, Trails of Cold Steel, and Trails of whatever the other one is, Zero. Um, yeah, um, there's apparently 50 playable characters uh, with sort of episodic scenarios where you can find out a bit more about their backgrounds and so on. And uh, yeah, so it, it sounds like this is going to sort of tie things all together, but it's not necessarily going to be the the end of the Trail series because that, that that is one of Falcom's big cash cows at the minute. So sure. So, Certainly looking very nice. Um, it there sounds seems to as be like a like a like a, a feeling that this is kind of like ending a generation, but also like laying the groundwork for like the next generation, essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's there's some comments from Falcom's president Toshihiro Kondo uh, that Silicon Era translated uh, or will publish the translation of anyway. Um, so one one of the quotes was: "It was previously announced that Hajimari is the beginning of the end as a restart that leads to the series conclusion." Uh, this wasn't just a message for the fans, but one for the staff as well. So, um, yeah, he's basically saying, wrap it up, we need to do something new. Um, yeah, and there's there's an intention to sort of make it a bit of a a sort of hub game for all the Trails games. So it will, like we say, it will bring together um, all characters from, from the different series. And so it will be a particular piece of fan service for people who've been following this series for the last 15 years or so. Uh, which is cool and uh, related to that um, Falcom are also apparently working on their own game engine because up until now they've been using um, I can't remember the name of it I I did see um, I don't know if you follow Floofy on Twitter Um, they're they're like a a, a big Falcom specialist they run the uh, the Endless History page which says a lot of uh, Falcom and Trail stuff in particular but they were talking about um the engine that they were using and uh the fire, how some people engine. Are... fire engine h-y-r-e that's the one yeah um so so some fans have sort of been a bit dissatisfied at um sort of like the quality of the animations and stuff that that engine offers um and so uh condo sounds like he's keen to 
um, improve the motion capture tech in particular because they they got some uh, some slightly negative feedback from Ease Nine from the sound of things in a few places. Not enough to make the game bad or anything like that. Ease Nine is apparently very good, but um, yeah, people people are keen for Falcom to sort of move their tech on a bit because um, so the, the this this fire engine they've been using is a, a good few years old at this point, and now that they're they're well into sort of well. I call it next generation, but we've got the next next generation just around the corner, haven't we? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, rather than sort of um, catering to kind of Vita level hardware uh, and running that on on more powerful stuff, yeah, they I think they they're keen to sort of get a bit more ambitious with their tech. So, all right, um, oh yes, next one, a bit of sad news. Um, Katsuhiro Harada was on twitter the other day um people had been asking about him yeah asking him about uh, the possibility of a xenosaga hd collection um and his words were that it uh, it progressed to the remaster's plan so they they talked about it um but apparently they also did a market analysis and figured that it wasn't going to be profitable enough to make it happen so it looks like this is probably not going to happen uh yeah. which is a terrible shame because, um, yeah, I would really like to play Xenosaga without having to faff around with import consoles. Because, uh, for those unaware, here in Europe, they released Episode 2 by itself. <laughs> 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 um, so, I, I mean, I have the whole Xenosaga series. Uh, but in order to play Episode 1 and Episode 3, I need to use an import PlayStation. <laughs> Jeez. So, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I would love to have that. Also, two is the worst one. <laughs> is it? Oh, two, great. two has like a really like crummy battle system, and it's kind of like super like <laughs> lost from a narrative standpoint. It like doesn't. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Namco. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it looks it looks unlikely that that's going to happen. I mean, he hasn't ruled it out entirely. So his exact wording was that the plan will be difficult to resurface. He's not said it's impossible. So there's like a faint glimmer of hope there, but put it I, on I would... whatever. Put it on crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah. See what Pe- happens. People... Yeah, people would pay for it. There are, I'm sure, there are enough people out there who are interested in this to make that happen. Um, and yeah, I'd certainly throw some money behind it for a crowdfunded yeah, release, even if it's I... just like a, a, even if it's just like a limited run release or something for people who really want it. Yeah, well, I, like... I mean, we, we we are in an age where you can make that happen now, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen. Listen, if Square Enix could justify remastering the Last Remnant, yeah, which yeah. is a really neat game, but nobody cares about it. But, <laughs> but you're telling me Namco can't justify this, which is uh, one of the most respected and and desired. <laughs> like people have been yeah. talking about needing a re- HD remaster of this for at least as long as HD remasters have been a thing. Yeah, and especially with sort of renewed interest in the Xeno series because of Xenoblade. Absolutely. As well. So a lot lot of people have sort of come to the Xeno series for the first time with Xenoblade and are like, well, I, I, I want to find out more about this series and what it's been doing and so on. So, yeah. They literally don't yeah. have to change the games at all. Like, just, yeah, exactly. just, just a quick and dirty, like what Sega did with like Shenmue 1 and 2. Just like... Yeah. I mean, not, not not to discount the amount of work that goes into producing that, obviously, but I just mean, like, they don't have to modify the games, you know, they don't have to add new features, they don't have to, like, go, yeah, yeah. like, you know, what Square Enix did with, like, FF12, like, it doesn't have to be enhanced and changed and made better, like, literally just make these games playable on an HD console. Yeah, 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 that's all it needs. 
But, well, like I say, don't hold your breath for the minute. We shall see. All right, continuing on, just a quickie. Uh, Dissidia Final Fantasy uh, has added uh, Arden from Final Fantasy XV. Um, no, I heard a lot about uh, it's Dissidia NT is the one that's current, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's the console a, version. Yeah, not not heard an absolute ton about this, but I, I know there were a few people who were sort of reasonably loyally playing it around its launch and so on, but it's kind of just sort of been beavering along quietly in the background and evidently been doing well enough to justify some extra dlc over time so it's uh yeah so it's had um what else has it had it's had noctis's final fantasy versus 13 form so like a, a version that we haven't seen in the game before mm-hmm. uh, and some costumes for shantoto from 11 um and final fantasy 12 antagonist gabranth um was added in there as well so they're, they're sort of adding a bunch of interesting characters there not just protagonists but sort of proper villains and stuff in there as well so yeah it's been cool I just yeah, love Arden, I, so that's why I wanted to play yeah, like Arden. Yeah, I Arden, love Arden, Arden is cool. so much. Yeah, I believe there's there's a free to play version of Dissidia uh, out now, certainly on PC. I don't know about on consoles, but yeah, uh, yeah if you want to give it a try for yourself without having to spend any money on it, that might be worth looking into. All right, uh, continuing on, Megaton Musashi. So Silicanera introduces robots Musashi, Gordia, and Sparkman and their problem children pilots. Uh, so this is a Shonen Jump collaboration from level five, which is presumably why you posted it. Yeah. Um, so I I'd not heard of this at all. So what? Well, I mean, I I would ask what attracted your attention about this. But it's pretty <laughs> obvious. It's it's level five and giant robots. I don't really need to say anything else, do I? <laughs> no, no. So like, uh, this is just like you know, level five. Um, they tend to operate not just in terms of making games, but creating like multimedia franchises that can also yeah. be tied into uh, merchandising and an animated series. Like that's the way they like to work. So this Megaton yeah. Musashi is to be their next attempt at a new multimedia franchise. Uh, cracking into the giant robot genre um i really like level five's work with robots specifically the little battlers experience stuff is Mm -hmm. fantastic uh so this is just kind of this to me looks like an evolution essentially of little battlers experience the gameplay the big reason i shared this wasn't just for the robots they've revealed but because the the latest jump festa trailers actually shared gameplay footage um, which yeah. we hadn't seen up until this point, and it just looks like a good third-person robot game. There's going to be customization yeah. and stuff. And I love the brightly colored designs of the robots, so really, really have my eye out on this one. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, uh, continuing on, we had some news of what's coming next for the Arcade Archive series. Uh, so uh, in the near future on PS4 and Nintendo Switch, we've got Kiki Kaikai, um, which I I want to say is already out in some areas. I'm sure I've seen that on the Switch eShop already. Um, I think but so, I might be th- yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Um, that's that's quite interesting from a historical perspective because the main character of that apparently inspired uh, Reimu from the Toho series. Um, that makes sense. With, with the sort of Shrine Maiden thing that's going on. Um, then coming soon, we've got uh, Saint Dragon and XX Mission, uh, along with Penguin Wars. So that's the original arcade version of Penguin Wars, rather than the remake that um, uh, what they called City Connection did a while back. Right, right. Uh, and then also uh, 
Bells and Whistles, also known as Ditana, Twinbee, and Tinstar are releasing soon. I've not heard of some of these. I, I know Saint Dragon, because I, I remember playing the Atari ST version of that, which was mm-hmm. not great. Um, XX Mission and uh, Tinstar, I don't think I've heard of before. You familiar yeah, with those at all? No, no, I mainly just posted this because I'm, I love Kiki Kai Kai. But yeah. um, Tinstar, I'm definitely not familiar with. And I don't think there's a way to look it up without getting like pelted with like old westerns. Like <laughs> on like, <laughs> on, like Google. But uh, yeah, I'm not, yeah. not familiar with that game at all. XX um, Mission looks like a. Um, looks kind of Raiden ish almost. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Looks like it's a vertical scroller. Uh, you're flying a. It looks like a sort of modern jet plane over. It looks like a sort of ravaged landscape, I guess. Um, so yeah, that, that could be potentially interesting. Kind of reminds me a little bit of um, World Wars, actually, by SNK as well. Oh yeah, you love that in terms game. in terms of aesthetic. Yeah, that's a really cool shooter map. Um, as for what was the other one? Tin Star. Let's look that up quickly while we can. The only Tin Star game I'm aware of is the one. It was like a Super Scope game for the Super Nintendo, but that was an American game, so that's clearly yeah. not what we're talking about here. Oh yeah, yeah. I see what you see. What you mean? Um, yeah, it's a a rail shooter. Um, Tin Star is apparently on Steam already. I don't. No, it's, that's not it. That's the that's the Western one you were talking about. Oh, well. Yeah, so it's clearly not that. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on before we get too bogged down in that. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, we've already talked about Falcom's new game engine. Um, back to Falcom as well. They have officially announced that um, Zero and Aonokuseki are coming for PS4. Uh, I don't think they've said anything about a Western release yet, but at this point, I would be surprised if they didn't come this uh, this yeah. this way. Um. Yeah, so these are the the two missing games in the Trail series, if you like. Uh, so they originally came out on PSP, um, and so they, these are basically going to be ports of the PSP versions. Um, but they're adding things like fully voiced main stories, uh, 60 frames a second uh, support, um, high definition character portraits, and upgrades to the sound quality, as well as including um, sort of the the various fast forward functions that have been added to later ports of trails of cold steel um as well so um yeah hopefully assuming this comes west which like i say i'll be very surprised if it doesn't at this point um we should finally be able to enjoy the entire trail series um in english not yet all on one platform because that would be too easy (laughs) Is is this also the time where we talk about our dream of uh a single a single switch cart with the entire trails in the sky series on it <laughs> oh yeah it's all i mean I... we've mentioned that we've mentioned that already in a previous episode oh did we did we it. i don't yeah. know i just it doesn't want it hurt so to mention it again it doesn't hurt to mention it again yes all three of those games on one cartridge for switch please yes I, and we will both happily pay 90 dollars for it play asia yeah. thank you very much yeah <laughs> same with these with these with the cross bell arc like i can't wait because I don't want remakes. I want that like clunky PSP aesthetic yeah. that I love so much yeah. with like the, the pre-rendered sprites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That era of Falcom definitely had a distinctive look and feel about it that I like very much. So me too. That's, that's cool. All right, uh, another quickie that may not mean anything, but we'll see. Um, so Capcom um, filed some 
interesting sounding trademarks recently. Probably just to renew them, but you never know. Um, and there's some interesting stuff in there. So they um, they trademarked Dino Crisis, for one. Uh, and then also um, Bionic Commando, Breath of Fire, uh, Makaimura Gaiden, which is the Ghost and Goblins side story, uh, Moero Justice Gakuen, which is Project Justice, which is yes. the sequel to Rival Schools. Uh, also, Shiritsu Jasutisu... Oh, God, my Japanese is failing me. Uh, Shiritsu Jasutisu Gakuen, which is, which is Rival Schools. Um, Power Stone... Rockman, which is Mega Man, Rockman Dash, which is Mega Man Legends, Strider Hiryu, and Vampire Savior, which is Darkstalkers 3. So, um, these are all very interesting. Um, like I say, it doesn't mean anything at the minute. It could just be renewal of the trademarks. But it, it's interesting that there's like some specific installments in series being trademarked there. So, like, um, Moira Justice Gakuen Project Justice is the second Rival Schools game. It's not the name of the series. It's the name of the second Rival Schools game. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, conjecture, we could have some ports of those. Those would be nice. I'd love to play Rival Schools again. Um, yes. I, I love but, Project Justice so much. I mean, yeah. the big thing for me is, like, whether or not this turns into anything tangible or not, um, it's still reassuring to know that Capcom still uh, cares about these properties enough to continue to maintain their trademarks on them. Yes. Y- yes. Y- you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's easy for these companies... To- if they want to to let this stuff lapse so just just the fact that people are thinking about them enough to continue to pursue this and keep these properties under lock and key means somewhere someone is thinking about doing something with them yeah 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 so that's cool all right uh moving on um sony announced an official new add-on for the dualshock 4 uh which is a thing that plugs in the bottom and has a, an OLED screen on the back. Um, I haven't quite got my head around this yet, but um, from what I can make out, it's basically remappable buttons on the back. Yeah, so that's that two paddles, these. basically, on yeah. the back. So you can use them as, as like extra triggers. Um, yeah. So if there's a game that has a slightly awkward control system that requires you to take your thumbs off the thumbsticks to press a face button or something like that, you can map those buttons onto these back buttons instead and just press them like triggers. This is a very common peripheral in those like super expensive like pro gaming controllers that come out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the this screen, I think lets you remap controls or select an active control. So the, so the screen is for configuring it from the sound of things. But it's also a touch screen, so you can use that as the third button as well. Which Me. is interesting. Um, so there's there's some conjecture over this that this might give us a hint of what we might be able to expect from a PS5 controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of conjecture that this the reason this exists is to make PS4 controllers compatible with the PS5 when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, that that seems plausible to me, um, but obviously no word on that yet because we've we've not even seen what the PS5 looks like yet, um, let alone what the controllers look like. So, but yeah, that that seems like a plausible explanation for why this exists and why they'd why they'd release this so late in the PS4's life cycle. God, that feels weird to say. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like I was just thinking about the PS4. Like, for some reason, the PS4 still feels like new to me. But like I have over, yeah, a no, hun- I have over a hundred PS4 games. Like I've been collecting for it for years yeah. now, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, I think my PS4 collection outstripped my PS3 collection a while back. I actually don't have that many games for PS3, um, but the the ones I've got are, are ones that I'm like super interested in rather than ones that i picked up because i i thought i needed to so 
I yeah, used to have a ton of PS3 games, but because we live in the age of remasters, I've been many of them I've sold and upgraded yeah. to the PS4 version. So yeah, yeah, yeah. M- most of the stuff I've got on PS3 now consists of like obscure RPGs that no one's heard of and no one wants to play. Yeah, uh, except me. Fair <laughs> enough. So. So yeah, that's about it. And most of the cross-platform stuff from that generation, I tended to get on 360 um, in many cases because often they were developed with 360 as the lead platform. Like Bayonetta is a great example. The, sure. the PS3 version of that is pretty atrocious. Yeah, it's unplayable. Um, but the PS4 yeah. version is soon to make that a moot point. Yes, indeed. 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 All right, uh, continuing on. Just a couple of extra things that I spotted this morning. Um <laughs> The first one, Nipponichi announced uh, a new game with their release date um, coming out on April the 23rd in 2020. I'll be quite surprised if we see this one in the West, but I thought it's worth mentioning anyway because it sounds quite entertaining. It's called Bokohime Project, and it's described as a cross-dressing game for all ages. <laughs> um, so this this is a game uh, that sort of follows the, um, the popular anime and visual novel trope of a male protagonist enrolling in a school where... Uh, 99% of the students are female and decides that the appropriate way to approach this situation would be to cross-dress as a girl himself and uh, spend all his time acting as if he's a girl. Um, Apparently, his reason is simple. His sister used to attend the school, but she fell into a coma, and he believes that attending the same school will help him find clues as to why. Um, In order to tread his way among the students, Minato will have to compete in cuteness against the divas of the school, aptly named the princesses. Of course, this will lead to all sorts of convenience, or inconvenience, depending on the point of view, situations including swimming lessons, tea ceremonies, skinship, cosplay, and other unfamiliar experiences. I like how skinship is just sort of slipped in there in the middle. (laughs) I don't don't know what that means. Skinship is getting naked with your friends. Oh, uh, like, okay, kinship, like, like, but with skin. Yeah, yeah, it's it's getting naked with your friends and ha- you're sitting in the hot springs together or having a sauna together or whatever. But yeah, they just sort of slip that in there in the middle. Uh, that's that's the side of things that uh, sort of people who get angry about things over here get really angry about in Japanese games. Oh, uh, but it's just it's like not that. really a part of Western culture, but it's rather yeah. rather. But yeah. it's but it's like it's it's just a thing in in Japanese yeah. culture. It's it's yeah. not sexual or anything. Yeah. It's just it's just a thing you do. Um, yeah, so there's a trailer for this now and a release date, and the artwork's super cute. Uh, but like I say, I'll be quite surprised if we get this in the West. Uh, but Nice America do have an event coming up, so I guess we'll we'll see then. Uh, but I wanted to bring that up just because it's entertaining. And that's the event where we're going to get all of the Trails announcements Yes, we're going to get the entire Trails in the Sky series on Twitch on a single cartridge, and uh, it'll have a physical release. That'll and the Crossbell games, and yep. the new game. And they're yep. all going to be in beautiful steel cases. Yep, and yep, and cost no more than a regular game. Yes. <laughs> I was so right. sad when I got my copy of 3... Cold Steel 3 because it was not as pretty as Xseed's releases of the PS4 oh, yeah. versions of 1 through 2. So yeah, like I, versions are lovely. I have these beautiful steel case collector's edition boxes that cost the regular amount. They were $60 each, like a regular yeah. game. But then the $60 version of 3 from Nipponichi was just a regular game in a regular PS4 case. P- yeah, PS4 case. And it makes me so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Consistency. Shiny shelf consistency. (laughs) Yes. 
We need our games to match. We need our games to match. It's important. Right. Um, okay, last thing I want to bring up is, is just that um, several sites have published um, translations of some features from uh, Famitsu and 4Gamer in Japan. Uh, where they just sort of got little sound bites from a bunch of producers from different companies uh, of their plans for 2020. And there's, uh, there's uh, some interesting bits and pieces in here and some bits that we might expect. Uh, so Norihisa Kochua from Idea Factory says that uh, they're going to be celebrating the Neptune Years series uh, 10th anniversary. Uh, and they're working hard on development of both VVV Junior and Ninja Neptunia, which I think people initially assumed were going to be the same thing. But it sounds like they're two different games, uh, which is interesting. Um, Atlas claimed they will deliver more news on Shin Megami Tensei 5 sometime soon. It still exists, oh, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people have uh, been worrying that that have been becoming vaporware, but they ha they have mentioned it, so you reset the clock, I guess. Um, Katsura Hashino from Atlas also said that they're interested in doing a fantasy RPG. Um, so they, they, they were very pleased with the response to Persona 5 all around the world. Um, but they're interested in seeing what they could do with a fantasy RPG, see if, if, if they can give that the same um, sort of worldwide appeal. Um, Yoshimi Yasuda from Katakawa Games um, say that they hope they're going to develop a space and mecha theme title for several platforms. Mm. Uh, they're doing a remaster of Metal Max Xeno as well, uh, which is on the way, uh, which is, is quite surprising because that only came out last year. Yeah, it um, wasn't really well received, though. So I think yes. they kind of got right on it to kind of fix a lot of the issues. Yeah, from what I've read about that remaster, the, the plan is that the, the original Metal Max Xeno was designed with the Vita in mind, mm -hmm. um, and this, this, this remastered version is designed specifically for PS4, so it should look and run a lot better. Yeah, it's coming on a Switch, too, which... Um, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, this news broke just as I ordered a copy from uh, Nisa's Europe store in their sale. But it, I mean, it was only twelve ninety nine, so I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. I have I have the regulars, you know, but it's uh, my copy is up on eBay now because I'm clearly going to rebuy it because there's also additional content, extra vehicles, and all that good stuff. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Okay, um, Kerry Tecmo uh, is celebrating the twentieth anniversary of the Dynasty Warriors series in 2020s. Apparently, they, they're putting many plans into effect to please the fans, including 20th anniversary events and the announcement of new game-related information, whatever that means. So whether that's a new game or continued expansions to the various Warrior series, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm it, it is an important an important anniversary, so something will be happening. I'm ready for a new licensed Muso game. Yeah, yeah. Like a, cool. li like a straight-up new license. Like them to pick up a new anime or something that they haven't done yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. Okay, other stuff. Um, Akatoshi Kawasu from Square Enix. Uh, Saga is celebrating its 30th anniversary next year, so lots of big anniversaries in 2020. Um, and they're doing lots of anniversary celebrations for Saga. So there's going to be a Romancing Saga Orchestra concert in February. Uh, and they're also apparently planning various game and non-game related things, so please look forward to them. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Physical release for Scarlet Grace, please. Yeah, that'd be lovely. That'd be lovely. Um, what else was interesting here? Uh, Nipponichi is apparently paying particular attention to PlayStation 5, so they want to release something for that as early as possible. Um, Yokotaro claims he has already reached his limit for next year. I'm sure I read somewhere else that he's planning to murder the entire staff of Square Enix as well. Yes, that was <laughs> that was the most recent... 
<laughs> Headline: Yo- Yoko Taro takes a hundred producers hostage, murders Square, Enix- Square Enix's Yos- Yosuke Saito, and more for his 2020 ambitions. <laughs> oh God! Never change. Never change. He's, uh, he's a good man. Yeah, because because yeah. this is also Nier's tenth anniversary. Company twenty twenty is technically Nier's tenth anniversary. Believe it or oh, not. Oh yes, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I know people are still clamoring for a remaster of that. That would be nice. Um, yeah, I actually booted up Nier quite recently just to capture some footage for it for an upcoming video that I'm doing, and I'm like, yes, this is still a good game. <laughs> yeah, my friend, my friend Valkyrie Rose is streaming the original Nier on her channel right uh, currently. So that's kind of been an interesting way to revisit it because it's an amazing game. Yes, yes, it is. A uh, couple of other noteworthy ones. Inti Creates, uh, Takuya Aizu from there, you said that in 2020, Inti Creates is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Uh, the first half of the year will be a bit of a breather, uh, but they're going to release two digital only games around May or so in, uh, to coincide with their anniversary. And I quote, And while also keeping the restart of that silly game in mind, I will massage the vice president's shoulders every day to get our flagship title moving. Um, which some people are, are taking to uh, to mean that there might be a new Galgun game on the way. Which is fun. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably most of the noteworthy stuff mm-hmm. uh, from that bunch of uh, bunch of news there. But yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting to, to see uh, in there. And last of all, uh, one thing I just wanted to acknowledge, um, because it's it's cool to see this game coming back. So Princess Maker 3 uh, and its board game spin-off, which I've forgotten the name of offhand, um, has been released on Switch and on PC. And apparently it still has all the original bugs from the PC version from the 90s. Awesome. Um, <laughs> they are apparently aware of, of the problems in here, um, and they, they're going to patch them, which is kind of a shame in some ways. Uh, but the, yeah, they are apparently going to patch them because there's a bug in there, which means that when your daughter reaches ten years of age, she just stops aging, which means you can't clear the game. <laughs> oh, it's no good. Um, yeah, so so that's coming along. I don't know if they're going to do anything about the translation because apparently it's like the original '90s quality translation, which is oh. pretty terrible. Um, but you know, there's a certain charm to that kind of translation. I've always found there's a, yeah. a certain nos- nostalgic charm to it. But uh, some people have, have, have been a bit upset about that, so I don't know if they're going to do anything about that, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. So th- those are both out on Switch and PC now, which is cool. All right. Um, anything else you want to bring up before we move on? No, I think that's it, news-wise. Cool. All right. Let's take a short break then, and then we'll come back and talk about what we've been playing recently. So see you in a moment. Welcome back for our second segment. We're going to talk a bit about what we've been playing recently. So, Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't had a chance to play too much new since the last time we got together. I'm still kind of grinding away pretty hard at Pokemon uh, Mm -hmm. Shield, which is a delight. But um, I wanted to take some time to pay lip service to something I bought recently that's not necessarily a game, but I'm quite happy with. Because <laughs> uh, I know we don't obviously advertise um, as part of our philosophy on this podcast, but um, I do like to take the time when I get an interesting product, uh, specifically a gaming-related product, to pay a little lip service to it, because I think if it's mm. something our listeners might appreciate. Um, so I recently acquired... Um, 
one of uh, I don't I don't know if it's Eight Bit Do or Eight Bit Do uh, that company that makes the kind of modernized retro wireless controllers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I had never bought any of their products before, but I know they have a fairly solid reputation because um, uh, Analog, the people who make those um, revised retro consoles, use Eight Bit Do's controllers with with their consoles. So like I, I yeah. knew they had a yeah. solid reputation. Uh, so I recently invested in one of their uh, the M30 controllers, which is uh, mm-hmm. which is their me- kind of revised Mega Drive controller. Uh, okay. With the old school, it has an old school six button layout as well as triggers. Okay. Um, That's cool. So it's kind of the perfect controller for like retro gaming because. Mm-hmm. The addition of triggers to the six-button layout makes it possible to play it as a Super Nintendo controller or a Genesis controller, because it's got yeah. the six-button and triggers. Um, so this is really the perfect controller for use on the Retron 5, if you have mm-hmm. one, because it's um, it, it encompasses all the systems that the console is capable of playing, and because the Retron allows you to use any controller with... Um, with any console, you can plug the receiver into the Genesis port and then use it for Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, or Genesis. All right, cool. Um, and it's just a really high quality controller. Like it doesn't feel like garbage. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the plastic feels like good, rigid plastic. The the D pad is extremely responsive. And um, there's two different versions. There's a 24 gigahertz version and a Bluetooth version. Um, I opted for the 24 gigahertz version because it's just a dedicated wireless then. Um, And it's great. Uh, I'm experiencing no lag or anything, which has been a real issue with a a lot of like the third-party wireless controllers I've tried. has been a tremendous amount of lag, which has made specifically exploring my old horizontal shoot-em-ups collection for the Genesis really challenging. Yeah. Um, so I really just wanted to, to give a shout to this controller because it's, um, it's really performing well for me and I'm enjoying it and I can see getting a lot of use out of it. Yeah, that looks really nice. Um, I like that you can get a smartphone clip for it as well. So if you do any sort of emulation and gameplay on smartphones as well, you can basically turn it into a handheld, which is yep. pretty neat. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't do a lot of that myself, but it's, it's nice to have the option there for those who do like that sort of thing. Yeah, this looks really cool, actually. I'll have to have to look into that. Yeah, it's quite uh, good. Like I said, oh, it's if not hmm? it's not super expensive either. I'm just looking at it on Amazon now. It's twenty two pounds. That's no, very reasonable. No, it's it's awesome for what you pay for. I mean, is it the best controller I've ever used? Of course not. Is it an amazing uh, option for retro gaming for thirty dollars wirelessly and it's very responsive and feels solid? Like, yeah, it's probably it's probably the best. Uh, like old school revisionist controller I've bought. Yeah, um, I- I've straight up thrown I've straight up thrown like modern retro controllers in the trash. Yeah, like taking them home, open them up, use them once, and actually throwing them in the garbage. <laughs> and, yeah, but uh, if this is what I can expect from their other controllers, I may start buying more of their stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard nothing but good things about about their stuff. So yeah, I I think you're you're onto a, a solid plan there. If you if you need more controller stuff, so I I believe they also do like mod kits for original controllers as well. So like if you if you have an old controller that you want to convert to be like wireless or compatible with other things as well, you can you can buy a kit from them to mod it as well. If mm-hmm. you're into that sort of thing, yeah, um, yep, but yeah, like right I said, I've, I've I've heard nothing but nothing but nothing but good things about their stuff. So, yeah, 
I endorse this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. And you know, the different receivers you can buy for all the different consoles. Mega Drive, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, USB adapters, so you can use it if you're doing any emulation or gaming on your computer. Just just loads yep. of really cool solutions for this kind of stuff. Yep. But and I just can't express enough, like a lot of people capitalize on this retro aesthetic, but these feel solid. Yeah. Like they work. Cool. Alright, so what have you been playing with it? Or what have you been playing generally? Uh, what I've been playing with it, with it with the controller, I've been playing a lot of Burning Force. <laughs> nice, <laughs> and, nice. Uh, and Burning Force and Thunder Force, and I played a little bit of Gunstar Heroes. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, what I've been playing in general, and I think you'll be able to speak to this too, um, other than Pokemon, is River City Girls. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Which is <laughs> just just delightful. I mean, like. Oh. Yeah, like big surprise way forward, freaking kills it again, mm -hmm. right? So good. Oh uh, yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, and and not what I expected. I mean, um, in retrospect, I I should have expected what I got, but um, yeah, I was expecting it to be a more sort of standard uh, belt scroller type thing with oh yeah stages. Uh, but no, no, they've 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 gone the full on sort of River City Ransom route where you can freely explore, uh, go back and forth between different places. You got a, a fairly substantial map to explore with different places to go in and lovely artwork when you visit people and go to their shops and stuff. And you can buy things and you can eat food and you can level up your stats. And there's amazing music. Let's talk about the music. Yes, please. I was so it's not Jake Kaufman, which surprised me. Yeah, um, but it is incredible. Specifically the, like, faux, like, 80s, like, girl power ballads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they, they are, yeah, really, really good good uh, soundtracks. I mean, the, the whole thing has got a sort of a slightly neon 80s feel to it as well. It's a, it, quite similar to, um, what was it, Double Dragon Neon in yeah, some ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Megan McDuffie is the, uh, the composer, apparently. Um, not familiar with her name and looking at her stuff on Spotify um, doesn't look like she's done many other soundtracks uh, not of stuff that I've heard of anyway okay um, but yeah she's she's done a fantastic job with this and yeah it's, it's just a, a really solid soundtrack and um, I, I love how it's included vocal tracks in there as well and not just for like boss fights and stuff. There's just like certain areas you go into have vocal tracks, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That one track, the hunt, it's called. But like it kicks up the first time you go into the mall. Yeah. I, I just been listening to that on a repeat for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a good one. And the 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 nice thing is the 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 limited run release that I had to wait a long time for, but it eventually showed up the other day. Uh, it comes with a soundtrack CD as well, so I can enjoy that at my leisure now, which is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a sampler, um, but it's it's got a lot of the good stuff on it. Yeah, you can get the full version on iTunes as well. Yeah, it's it's on Spotify as well, so you can stream okay. it as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I think the whole thing's there, which is cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a really really good game. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's satisfying to play. It's got cool progression to it, so there's a, a nice sense of um, the game kind of expanding the more you play it with learning new moves and stuff. 
and I, I haven't tried playing as both characters yet, but um, just Kyoko's moves just seem to fit her personality perfectly. Like I love that her heavy side attack is just dabbing on people. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. She just like slams forward in a dab position with like this massive sort of energy burst surrounding her, and it's just Aww. it's wonderful. Okay, I, I haven't fiddled with both characters, so I didn't I didn't know that they had different move sets. Yeah, yeah, they, they, I think they they sort of have the same basic functionality, yeah. but different animations and different moves. Um, okay, so that's cute, um, though. yeah, yeah, so that's cool. And uh, yeah, Kyoko is adorable. I love her. <laughs> yeah, I'll just she's, so, the... she's so dumb. It's amazing. <laughs> well, it's just like way forward. Like you know, we talk about way forward games a lot on here for a lot of different reasons, but and like one of them is like that the writing is spot on. Yeah. Like, I don't just love Shantae because those games are good and the character design is cute. Like, I love those games because the, the writing is genuinely good and the characters are full of personality and it's, like, laugh-out-loud funny. And yeah, uh, yeah. and River City Girls is, like, very much continuing in that vein. Like, I've laughed out loud a couple times playing it. I like the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. I'm, I, it was definitely worth the wait. I mean, I, I'd been tempted to pick up the digital version a few times along the way, but I'm I'm glad I waited for this limited run version because it's it's a very very nice edition as well. It's in sort of um, it's sort of printed on sort of uh, almost holographic foil print on the case. It's yeah, yeah. When they when they do that, I get really excited. Um, they did that for Celeste as well as um, Battle Chef Brigade, and like whenever I get a limited run game and it has that hollow foil, that like subtle hollow foil, I get yeah. super happy about it. Yeah, yeah, super cool. So yeah, I'll be playing some more of that and probably writing about it in the new year. So that's cool. All right, anything else you've been spending your time with? No, that's that's uh, that's it for me, really. I've been kind of getting back into being a little bit more productive with art lately. So uh... okay, cool, cool. Well, um, what have I been playing? Well, I've been playing um, a pair of games on Switch that sort of attracted my attention a little while back, um, just because they. I mean, I hadn't heard anything about them, but. I, they they sounded interesting. They, they're called Saboteur and Saboteur Two. Oh yeah, you were telling and, me about these. Yeah, and um, I just happened to I was just sort of browsing the the eShop one day, and I, I just happened to see them, and they they were very cheap. Um, I mean they're very cheap anyway, but they're even cheaper right now for sort of like holiday sales and so on. I think they're like eighty nine p each or something. Um, I I just sort of had a click on them and thought, oh, that sounds like it might be interesting. And it turns out that these games are they are remakes of um spectrum games from the early 80s by a guy called uh clive townsend and uh clive townsend has been directly involved with these remakes he's been sort of sort of leading these remake projects and the interesting thing about them is he's deliberately decided not to sort of like overhaul the graphics or anything he's he's kept them looking like spectrum games and playing like spectrum games but um in the case of each game, he's sort of revamped them in more subtle ways. So, for example, the first Saboteur game is um, a game where you play a ninja and your mission is to infiltrate a warehouse. Um, you've got to plant a bomb and find a floppy disk and escape. And in the original Spectrum incarnation, on its easiest difficulty, you can literally finish it in like two minutes if you know which way you're going. Oh. Um, but what they've done is um, if you do it right, then um 
the, the original version of the game ended with you taking off in a helicopter and that was the end of the game and you got your high score and whatever and each difficulty would add more in the way of these computer terminals that you needed to interact with in order to unlock various doors around the place but what he's done is um after you take off in the helicopter you get this little story sequence that wasn't in the original but it's this this dialogue between um the main ninja character and his his handler who say that they're still getting some weird readings from the area so he lands again um but his bomb's already gone off so like the the bit that he was going through has been now sort of completely destroyed and mangled and everything but then you go through a door that you couldn't go through before and there's this whole other part of the game that is literally uh, according to clive townsend seven times the size of the original game what? Uh, with a whole bunch of new story a bunch of new puzzles to do and yeah it extends the, the the length of the whole game considerably and makes it really really interesting and so this this game is interesting to me because it's a very early example of um something approaching i mean it's not exactly this but it's something approaching the open structure 2d platformer format in that it is uh sort of you you wander around it's a 2d open world that you explore the platforming element is very light there are a few parts where you need to jump over gaps and so on but for the most part it's just about moving from room to room and remembering the route there is no auto map in this game uh and so you have to remember the way that you're going um but it's been designed in such a way that uh there are lots of landmarks and stuff along the way that you can remember the route by using these landmarks and it's okay. very interesting to play a game with this structure that doesn't d d deliberately doesn't have a map because it forces you to navigate using these landmarks and to figure out the way you're going and that sort of thing. I like that. And you find that the more you play them, the more you get to know these different areas and the more you get to know the map and the more that you can sort of quickly race through that initial warehouse mission. Uh, there's even like a time trial facility in the game that sort of times you on that initial warehouse mission so you can really try and cut your time down on those and challenge yourself. That's really and, satisfying uh, when you can get to yeah. that point in these kind of games. Like, I still think very fondly to, like, in my heyday when I could, like, navigate the Symphony of the Night castle pretty deftly without looking at the yeah. map at all. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same sort of sort of appeal here. And Saboteur 2 is designed very much with that in mind. So Saboteur 2, he hasn't taken the same sort of expanded approach that he had to the first one. Um but Saboteur 2 already had a massive map. It was something like 700 screens, I think, in total already. So he didn't really need to expand it further. Um, but the interesting thing about Saboteur 2 is that um, the difficulty levels were basically different missions that you had to accomplish in this massive complex. Okay. And so like the, 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 the easiest one is simply you start at the top, you have to find where to escape. So that's all you need to do. So that first mission is designed to teach you where the escape point is. So you, you explore around the whole place and eventually you stumble across where the motorbike that you need to ride to escape the complex is. Then the second mission, uh, you have to find a couple of pieces of intelligence. So you have to you have to explore a little bit more and find places where there's specific things you can interact with to get some intelligence. And then you have to escape on the motorbike. In the third mission, you have to um, you have to beat up a specific number of enemies on the way to escaping. On the fourth one, you have to find a particular chip um, before you leave uh, on the fifth one you have to find several chips and then put them in a computer console to prevent a missile launch and so on so each difficulty level is expanding what you need to do in this complex and it's paced really nicely that it, it just it just encourages you to explore just a little bit more with each mission until you're familiar with the entire complex 
and I it's just it. really really nicely structured it's just really 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 cool game um it's not going to appeal to everyone because like i say it's it's been designed to uh, look and feel like a spectrum game so that means that it's got very sort of low use of color it's like four colors on screen at once um it got quite clunky handling deliberately uh, because it's designed to feel like a Spectrum game as well as look like a Spectrum game. But once you get your head around how it plays, uh, it's a really, really satisfying game. I really, really like both of these games, and I've spent a lot longer with them already than I thought I was going to. Um, so yeah, I encourage you to check those out, because they're, they're, they're fascinating games, fascinating pieces of history that don't get talked about all that much. Saboteur 2, uh, I don't know if it was the very first one, but it was certainly one of the first games to have a female protagonist as well, so it's quite interesting from a historical perspective as well. So yeah, check those out. Those are really cool. Uh, I think you can play them. Um, I think you can play them on the web. Um, you can also get them on Steam, uh, and they came out on Switch a little while back as well. So there's several different places you can play them, regardless of where you choose to play them. Um, they're not expensive at all. So if you're at all interested in European 8-bit games, then yeah, I encourage you to check those out because they're they're very cool indeed. Sounds really well suited to handheld mode too on the Switch. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. And there's, there's some nice uh, sort of customization options as well. So if you find that the, the sort of spectrum handling is a bit sluggish for you, you can actually tell it to speed the whole thing up so it's a little bit more responsive. Or you can slow it down if you're struggling a bit with like the combat and the jumping and that sort of thing. And um, there are some graphical filters you can apply to it as well. In the first Saboteur game, you find various VR goggles around the place which allows you to um, view the initial warehouse mission. I don't know why they didn't do the whole game, but just it's just the initial warehouse section, um, as if you were playing it on various different consoles and oh, computers. Cool. Um, so there's, uh, by default, you can switch between Spectrum and Commodore 64 graphics, which are, are pretty similar aside from the color scheme. So the, the Commodore 64 colors are a little bit more muted because that system had a, a much more sort of muted color palette than the Spectrum did. Um, but as you go through, you can unlock things like there's a Game Boy mode, there's an NES mode, um, there's a MS-DOS PC running in CGA mode, um, there's an Amiga mode, which sort of upgrades the whole thing to look like sort of lovely 16-bit sprites. Um, there's a ZX81 mode, which turns everything into text characters. <laughs> Incredible. It's just... It's just it's just a wonderful celebration of retro gaming, and it's it's not trying to sort of upgrade that retro in any way, aside from with like the customization options and the additional content. It just feels like playing an old game on a new system, and that that's a real pleasure for me. So, like I say, it's not going to appeal to everyone for exactly those reasons I've just described. Um, but if you are the slightest bit interested in classic European home computer gaming, then these are well worth a look. Very cool. Um, yeah, and aside from that, I think most of the other stuff I've been playing, I've been playing Pokemon, like you, uh, and I'm also um, cracking through uh, the visual novel, which I will be covering on Moe Gamer in the new year, which is called Lamination. Um, this is a really interesting one to me. I'm actually waiting to hear back from uh, Meru from Love Lab, who is the, the, like the lead localizer on it. Okay. Because um, this is interesting to me because it's, it's it's sort of specifically advertised as being full of um sort of like popular culture memes and references and stuff 
And from what I can make out, the reason for that is that the um, the original developer in Japan is someone who's sort of fascinated with Western culture and and, and Western memes and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. rather than these memes being added in localization, they they were there in the first place. Oh, that's really um, cool. But from a Japanese perspective, which is very interesting. So like the whole story is uh, it's it's one of these sort of slice of life stories in which like nothing really happens of great importance or anything like that, but. The basic concept of it is um, about the one of the main characters is um, a girl who's sort of set to take over her parents' um, soda factory, her laminate factory. Okay. And um, the the main cast of characters they discover at one point that um, you you can accidentally create a, a meme, a viral sensation. They take a photograph of themselves all all drinking laminate with the caption "lamination," which they all they just made up as a sort of made up cheers type thing um and they discover that as soon as they as soon as they posted that people just sort of latched onto that and they thought oh that's really cool and they find that people all around the world are suddenly posting pictures of themselves drinking soda shouting lamination at the camera and (laughs) yeah it's it's just a sort of exploration of how weird and ridiculous um modern popular culture and internet culture and memes and that sort of thing can be and it's it's been really fascinating so far um so i'm coming towards the end of one of the character routes so far so i'm very interested to see how the other ones uh, unfold and handle this so yeah there'll be a lot more on that on mario gamer in the new year so i won't talk about that too much now but it's it's a lot of fun and the the localization is excellent love lab are really showing themselves to do a fantastic job with localization so that's three really good titles that i've played from them recently so there was love cube um which uh was a visual novel that i wrote about uh in the last year oh, okay this is Girls, the same fantasia people. Yeah, it's, just, it's the same people. There was Bullet Girl Fantasia they did as well. And Lamination is the first one that they've actually published themselves as well, rather than doing on behalf of someone else. So uh, this was sort of like a real uh, kind of landmark title for them as a company because it's the first one that they've brought out themselves. So, um, yeah, based on the quality of what they do, I, I really do wish them lots of continued success because they, they clearly put their heart and soul into it. And, yeah, that, that needs rewarding and celebrating, I think, so... All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we move on? No, that's that's it for me. Um, I certainly got a bunch of cool stuff in the past month or so. So hopefully I'll have some more time to start diving in once the kind of holiday hubbub dies down, and I'll have some more stuff to speak to. I did a, I did acquire a copy of Luigi's Mansion Three, which I'm looking forward to cracking into for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be very good. So yeah, looking forward to hearing more about that. All right, let's take a short break then, and then we'll come back and talk about our main topic for today. So, I'll see you in a moment. ラムネーションデビューは最近ネットで流行中のラムネーションという単語に焦点を当てて私たちが炭酸ジュースや戦闘アリアにまつわるありとあらゆる情報をお届けするオンライン情報番組です。番組はネットで生放送のほか各動画
Um, yeah. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, uh, and I'm sure Chris has as well. So why don't you kick off, Chris? What's what's some of the things you want to uh, you want to mention? Yeah, it's like I kind of divvied up my my ideas into three separate stages, right? It's like I've got a stuff I acquired before, stuff yep. that's actually coming out in 2019 that I'm super excited for. And uh, and, a, and a little section for dream announcements, which turns yeah, out okay. most most of those we covered in the uh, in the first portion because they're primarily Falcom related. Uh-huh. Oh wait, no, they're all Falcom related. <laughs> um, okay, we can call that covered then. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like East Nine, please. Crossbell yep. games in English, please. And uh, yep. and uh, Trails of Cold Steel Four, please. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but uh, so otherwise. Um, Stuff I acquired in 2018 that I'm really kind of hoping to explore better in the new year. Um, first up is Astral Chain because mm-hmm. Platinum. You know, you, you know, you're a year out, right? We're coming into 2020. Oh my god, 2019 is just going. <laughs> oh my god, I have no, I have lost all concepts of space and time. All right, <laughs> stuff coming out in 20, stuff I acquired in 2019. My brain uh-huh. refuses to accept 2020 as a thing <laughs> uh, that I am going to want to play in 2020 is Astral Chain mm-hmm. uh, because it's platinum and it's very good. And what little I played of it is very, very good. Um, it's both mechanically and aesthetically super pleasing, which is not a surprise yep. because platinum. But um, I, I'm like I'm ashamed of myself over how little I've played of Astral Chain. <laughs> but it came out like at that tail end of summer, which was like insane for releases. Oh yeah, it came out at the worst possible time, didn't it? It was terrible. But uh, yeah, a lot of people I saw still managed to find some time to actually play it, and I I, I hear nothing but good things. So I think you you you'll have a good time with that from the sound of it. Oh yeah, like I, I, be- I need. Yeah, I need to. I need to even pick that up. So yeah, you're ahead of me at least. <laughs> I did beat the first, um, like the first kind of chapter. Like, so I have okay. a very good idea of like what the game consists of. I fought like the first big boss, and I just absolutely love it. But um, yeah, just haven't hadn't had the time. Um, it, it's really amazing to me the extent to which the game industry like works in these like giant like glow like release like bloats yeah like yeah, when bizarre. i'm when i'm looking it was the same at the end of summer right we had all these amazing games come out like bam 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 like astral chain and um um like the the secret of mana collection and um De- demon x machina they all came out within like three weeks of each other yeah and like if i look at my list of pre-orders for 2020 March is like hell month. So like like March is the FF7 remake. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. La, la, the Langris are 1 and 2 remake. Mm-hmm. Persona 5 Royal and the La Mulana 1 and 2 double pack. Oh god. That's all. <laughs> like like Square Enix and Atlas, you need to fucking get together and have a dialogue about the fact that maybe <laughs> you shouldn't release your two giant RPGs in the same month. Mm-hmm. It'll probably yep. be better for your sales. Yeah. yeah. Like, if they just if they just powwowed and said, alright, I'm taking March, you're, you're, you're taking April. <laughs> like... Yeah. Like, please. Yeah, please. it's baffling. 
and 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 so like yeah the end of summer of 2019 was the same way it's just this massive glut of amazing stuff so i'm super backed up from end of the year stuff um Mm. i acquired that um i know we mentioned it in the podcast a couple times before during like the news sections that uh destiny connect oh yeah yep from nipponichi uh, it's a really, really neat-looking old-school RPG with that like cutesy, almost like Disney aesthetic. Yep, yep. Gra- grabbed it, haven't played it, so I'm really, mm-hmm. really hoping to explore that next year. Um, and one of the big ones I also listed was uh, Hero Land. Oh yes, yep. So Hero Land came out in December, uh, beginning mm-hmm. of this month. Not not too long ago, but um, uh, it's just a really interesting game. So like it kind of has climbed to the top of my list of stuff I want to explore because conceptually it's very strange, mechanically it's very strange. Um, it's kind of getting trashed. People hate it. It's got like solid sixes across like the review aggregators. It sounds uh, great. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. That that throws up all the flags for me that this is something I need to dig deep into and spend time with. Uh, so yeah. Hero Land is um, from Furyu and. Uh, Nechubiori Limited, which I, I think mm-hmm. they use, I think they're primarily guys who've made a lot of visual novels in the past from like the PSP and stuff. But uh, yeah. it's also got some people behind it who worked on like Earthbound, the Mother series. So right. it kind of it kind of has that like goofy, dumpy like comedy feel to it the whole way through. Yeah. Um, and in Hero Land, you play as a um, a guide in a theme park that like basically puts on adventures for guests yeah so like the part your party members are guests at the theme park that you're trying to guide through the adventure um and then the monsters and stuff you fight are just like they're they're like under underpaid overworked like grouchy workers (laughs) whose job it is to like be the monsters so there's like really cute dialogue kind of exploring kind of work uh the japanese name of this game was work cross work right right yeah yeah so it's kind of just all about work and like the notion of like being overworked and underpaid and like busting your butt for like no money and like kind of feeling useless and used in like a in like a corporate workplace yeah um but all explored through like the lens of like rpg mechanics and rpg imagery via this theme park um, and I think a lot of people it's bouncing off pretty hard because it's not a traditional RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got more of a tabletop feel to it, um, yeah, which yeah. which I would liken to uh, Unlimited Saga or Grand Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, like when you go do a mission, you are literally just presented with like a tabletop map that you explore space by space, like in turns. You don't run around the dungeon. Yeah. Um, so I think that puts a lot of people off pretty much immediately because it's a, so such a different approach to this type of game. Yeah. Um, and then the battle system on top of that exploration is um, also very strange. So uh, the whole battle system unfolds in real time um, and yeah. all the partners are controlled via AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can only issue commands to them when you have like a bar that fills up like FF... Final Fantasy active time battle style. Yeah. And then only when that bar fills up can you issue commands and kind of control the the flow of, pardon me, control the flow of battle um, only intermittently. Otherwise, these people are just kind of doing what they want because they're people, right? They're not, 
they're not uh, characters that you control. They're they're dum dums who think they're on an adventure and are in, yeah. are, and, and are entitled, right? So they they, <laughs> cut, they kind of do whatever they want, and only every now and then can you kind of prod them to kind of attempt to control the flow of battle. Yeah. Um. So like a lot of people have been crapping all over this battle system, but like. I kind of like it because a it fits thematically with what the whole game is trying to do. Um, B it reminds me a little bit on a grander scale of Final Fantasy thirteen. Yep, yep. Because um, Final Fantasy thirteen was a battle system that was more about viewing uh, an RPG battle in a larger picture, right? Yes, it yes. Was... And no, no one seems to get this. Yeah, no one seems m- to get this, but it's it's very much about sort of party management and sort of treating yeah. your party as a single unit rather than uh, rather than micromanaging everything. That's right. You don't fret over minutia. You're more focused on kind of direct control and the flow of battle, not yeah. necessarily each and every second and each and every turn. Um, so, I immediately thought of FF13 when the first time I played Hero Land. So, mm-hmm. um, huzzah! Because I love FF13. Yep. Um, I just, in general, my impressions from my early play of Hero Land is that there's a very strong potential for addiction with this game because it's got a, um, it's got a mission structure. Like you take missions from a mission board, and um, yeah, you know, it's like the the play is very bite sized, so it's very easy to pick up for small amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just different mechanically, narratively. It's it stands out to me as something worth playing because it's so. Yeah so uh so different from anything else in the market essentially yeah i'd re- i'd really like to give this a go it doesn't look like they've done a package release over here which is frustrating um but um, i might have to import one from the states you can get it digitally over here but it looks like oh, the, okay. the only the only cartridge releases are uh, from exceed in the states but it doesn't look like it's too expensive so i might have to import a copy of that but yeah i'd very much like to play that they, what you're describing there also reminds me slightly of um criminal Girls battle system as well which was also very much based on sort of just suggesting to your party what they might want to do rather than sure. them actually doing it so criminal Girls was was all about building up trust with your party members so so your character did not participate in battle in that either um but the way that battles unfolded in that you had a choice of four suggestions that you could give to the party and depending on how much they liked you and how confident they were feeling and that sort of thing, they may or may not do what you tell them to. Um, and that that was, I mean, that could be frustrating, but it was also really interesting and very much thematically appropriate for that game. So, yeah, it sounds like a similar sort of situation here. And uh, yeah, yeah. all about all about interesting stuff like that. Yeah, I like I like it when um, I mean, this is something we've talked about many times, but when you can when you can tie mechanics true narrative theme and visual theme and have that all make sense of a cohesive package like to me that's the hallmark of a very very good game versus yes yes it's a competent game yes yes this is this is one of the reasons i am quite interested to play the connoisseur game as well because it sounds like they've done a really good job with that as well make it frustrating as hell to play but if you imagine if you were in a party with those guys, it would be an absolute nightmare to go on an adventure with them as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, we've talked about my love of Konosuba many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what else did I get this year that I can't wait to play next year? Uh, 
I recently got a game from Limited Run that I purchased kind of on a whim uh, called Time Spinner. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah um, you mentioned this. Yeah. So, like, I had, you know, I, I follow the indie scene pretty closely. So, like, I'm, I'm usually kind of got my finger on the pulse of, like, what's out and what's coming out and what's being made. But, like, this Time Spinner game totally, like, I n- had never heard of it until the day pre-orders went up on Limited Run. Um, so I looked it up on YouTube and saw that it had this almost flawless, like, late-era SNES, early-era PS1, like, hybridized aesthetic. Yeah. It really just... I mean, like, lots of games have pixel art, but, like, this game is very specifically trying to hit that very specific, like, Final Fantasy VI, like, dark-toned, highly detailed look. And, uh, it nails it so absolutely that, like, I was immediately in love with it yeah. from a visual yeah. standpoint. Um, it's an open structure side scroller, um, which harkens back a little bit to Symphony of the Night because you actually have uh, experience and level ups, which isn't always in these kind of games. Yeah. Um, which I, I like. I like those RPG mechanics being tacked on. Um, and as the title would suggest, there's a, cause a time manipulation mechanic. So very early in the game, you get the ability to freeze time and like use enemies as stepping stones. Um, I don't know if that expands or, or changes throughout the game, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's a reversal or a fast forward or something that happens too. I don't know, but, um, yeah. pretty much right away you start getting able to play with time to solve puzzles, environmental puzzles. Uh, I'm just super impressed with it initially. Um, There's a really kind of cohesive um, sense of identity and world building, um, like Mm -hmm. right right from the outset. Um, Really gorgeous character design. Um, You know, it's it's one of those games where you play it and you just you just feel like the people who were involved in making it. Like this was probably a story that like the like one of the leads on the project has probably had in their head since they were 12 yeah you you know you know that feeling i'm talking about like where the world building is so strong and it just it starts in medias race like you're you're getting attacked by like evil empire and you've like got to escape so it's just so much what's going on ah like mysteries and then like you go through the portal and you wake up in this strange world and the enemies that i've seen so far like really disturbing looking uh and there's just a, this, this fantastic sense of mystery and discovery, and uh, I really just can't wait to dig into this game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, those are my big ones. Cool. All right. Um, so I think. Well, I mean, I've I've got a few sort of tentative plans for the 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 early months of 2020 at this point so um i've already talked about lamination which i'm already diving into so that's going to be the first cover game feature of the new year um so there's going to be plenty to talk about there with with how that got localized and where it came from in the first place and that sort of thing um after that uh i think we're going to spend a bit of time with atelier i'm not sure how long we're going to spend with atelier as yet but at the very least uh i'm going to play the dusk games oh uh, yeah because those those are getting their remasters um towards the end of january and i've got the uh, the nice uh, 90 dollar play asia cartridge version on the way um and i i will probably play riser as well uh, just because riser is something that i've heard so much about and i think I, I i want to play that sooner rather than later um i think most of the this sort of 
additional content that were, they were adding to it. It seems to be in place now as well, so it's probably a good time to play that as well. Um, beyond that, I'm also considering um, dropping an Atelier, Atelier Lulua there as well, which is the, the fourth game in the Ireland trilogy. Oh, you should. Um, I mean, you did the other ones. Like, yeah, it, coverage. exactly. So, I mean, I mean, I know I want to do that at some point, so I figure if, if I'm on a, a bit of an Atelier kick at the start of the year, I may as well throw a bunch of them all in there together. Uh, they are they are sort of distinct and different enough from one another despite being part of the same series that yeah you, you can you can have a good time with each of them and i think yeah it, it'll be good to get not completely up to date because i've still got the mysterious series to do and the atelier iris series to do uh but i mean i can i can put those another time um so yeah that's that's sort of initial plans um that i've got i'm particularly excited about riser because i've heard lots and lots of good things about that um, and especially interested in Dusk because a, a lot of people who are fans of the whole Atelier series seem to think that the Dusk series is, to date anyway, probably the best one. Yeah, I've um, read that on multiple in multiple places. Um, specifically, Shally gets a lot of like, love. Yeah, um, Shally and Esher and Logie seem to be the the most popular ones. Uh, don't hear a ton about Aisha, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard nothing bad about Aisha as well. Uh, so the, the Dusk series in general is is sort of positioned as as sort of the best Atelier series at the minute. So they, it'll be interesting to see um, where Riser fits in with all that because I know a lot of people have very much enjoyed that, including long-term Atelier fans. And also a lot of new people have come to the series because of Riser as well because that's been a lot more sort of high profile than previous releases as well. So... It'll be interesting to see where that sub-series goes because there's there's a lot of potential there, I think, uh, which I'm looking forward to exploring. Do you ever hear much about the, the PS4 generation trilogy, the Mysterious Painting trilogy or whatever it's called? I don't hear people talk about that one often. But no, like, well, again, I don't think it. I don't think it was poorly received, but um, it's it's sort of not regarded as one of the best ones. Certainly, okay. I know I know people very much like the some of the characters in that. People uh, really like Sophie in particular from the first one. Yeah, uh, and like Sophie appears in Warriors All Stars as well. So she was evidently a fairly popular character as well. So I don't hear a lot about those, but again, I don't hear anything particularly negative about them. I think one of the interesting things about that sub-series is that they got quite experimental with that one. Like in Atelier Firis, they sort of tried to do a sort of open world thing with it. Mm. Um, that from what I understand didn't quite work. But again, it wasn't bad, but it didn't quite work for what they were trying to do. Sure. Um, but I, th I think that will be interesting to explore from a perspective of them experimenting with the series and trying to do some different things with it. So... Again, I'm, I'm going to cover those at some point. Whether or not this is in that batch of Atelier that I'm planning to do at the beginning of the year depends on uh, how much cute girls doing alchemy I can take. Uh, <laughs> <in the laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a lot. I'm sure it's a lot as well, yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, um, on the one hand, um, I don't want to get too hung up on a single series at one time because, I mean, I want people who are coming to Moe Game to sort of be able to sort of look at a wide variety of different games and that sort of thing but at the same time it, it's good to sort of focus specifically on a series over the long term and i mean i've got sort of tentative plans at some point in the near future to do very ambitious uh features on stuff like uh the trail series as well mm -hmm. for one and also stuff like toho as well and both of those are going to take that i won't be able to get those done in a month there's no way i can do yeah, that so. I, or a year <laughs> oh, yeah indeed yeah i know Tri trails in particular is probably just gonna have to be right 
2021 is the year of trails or something like that so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna have to suck it up and do that and however well i, I mean i can cover other stuff around it as well but yeah I mean, if i want to cover those in detail i'm going to have to do that if you place. literally just did the cold steel but yeah. cold steel yeah. like though each of those games is massive yeah yeah each, from my each trails game each trails game is at least 100 hours each like I it, to date, I've I've only played Trails in the Sky, the first one, uh-huh. and that that was a hundred hours first time through, um, and that is one of the smaller ones. So like I know Trails in the Sky, the second is um, is bigger than the first one. So yeah, God help me. <laughs> but I, I will probably hold fire on that until we get news on um, on the uh, the Crossbell games and. Um, trails of the beginning as well because it, it, it'd be good to sort of once they're all out do all of them in one go yeah. rather than rather than just sort of do some of them now and then some of them later i imagine it will be a pretty incredible experience to run through the whole thing in one go sort of like the the video gaming equivalent of doing a lord of the rings marathon only it takes months instead of days <laughs> but yeah that that is the sort of tentative plan for the future not necessarily this year but that that is one thing on the agenda certainly um other stuff that i want to cover uh i mean i wrote an article about this the other day but it bears mentioning again i i'm going to do unlimited saga this year are you yes yes i am i've been saying for probably a couple of years at this point that i'm going to do unlimited saga i'm going to do unlimited saga this year are you going to teach me how to play unlimited saga I've got to teach myself how to play Unlimited Saga first. That's the thing. This, <laughs> That's yeah. why the only reason I haven't played Unlimited Saga is because I don't have the time to watch like the 10 plus hours of YouTube tutorials necessary to understand <laughs> its systems to play it efficiently. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, there is a guy on YouTube who, who does um, has, has done a bunch of tutorials and he's, he's got a playlist of them. Uh, there are... Oh, there's, there's only nine episodes and they're only they're only like only they're only like 10 minutes each uh okay. so it's like an hour an hour and a half in total that's not too um, bad that's not that's not horrendous that's when not you horrendous. compare it to how much time in your life you would waste trying to figure it out yourself and failing yes 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 but i, I, I mean unlimited saga has been fascinating to me for a long time just because uh, one, I bounced off it so hard when it first came out, and we, yeah. we've talked about this before. But like, like, I bounced all. off it really hard when it came out, for the same reasons that critics and the public alike bounced off it. Then it was like, what the fuck is this game? Um, because no one, no one really understood what it was going for. Um, but now, with sort of more experience with more experimental RPGs and more experience with tabletop gaming in general, I find the whole concept of that game absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that just makes me want to explore it in detail and see how well they implement those things and how they uh, incorporate stuff from the rest of the Saga series into it and how it it handles the sort of freeform approach. Because like... A big appeal of a lot of the saga series in general is the sort of non-linear approach and having freedom and doing stuff in different orders and then everything tying together and that sort of thing. And the potential for this game to do that is enormous just because of the the, the way it's structured and the way that the mechanics work and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I am super keen to explore this. So um, yeah, it, it's definitely going to happen in 2020. It it. it it may happen right after Atelier. It may not. I haven't decided as yet. Uh, but it's definitely going to happen in 2020. Oh, it just it just needs to be said too that like Unlimited Saga has 
probably one of the top 10 best soundtracks in the history of the medium. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, it's absolutely Masashi fantastic. Masashi Hamazu's work on Unlimited Saga soundtrack is, like, I hold it in the same esteem as, like, Okami. And, like, yeah. it's yeah. one of the most accomplished soundtracks I've ever heard in my life. Yes. 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 And if you don't play it, you get to experience it in context. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I'm also quite hungry in the coming year to do a uh, a dungeon crawler because I haven't done one of those for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, it's just a matter of, of choosing one because I've actually got a lot on my shelf that I would like to cover at some point uh, just in that genre, but I haven't decided yet. I'm thinking probably um, Mary Skelter. Yeah, yeah, because, same. Um, b- just because I've heard so many good things about that game um it's it, it's one of those rare idea factory games that that even people sort of outside of idea factory's core audience have quite happily admitted is a very good game yeah. so i'm interested to see what what might appeal to people about that 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 doesn't appeal about certain other games that they've done um, certainly the fusion of survival horror with dungeon crawler is a really yeah. fascinating c- concept yeah yeah so i'm i'm really looking forward to that but just because the the whole aesthetic of that and the atmosphere and the character designs and the use of sort of fairy tale characters in it as well it's just just really fascinating to me as well so very much so yeah so that's that's one that i'd i'd like to take a look at um to be honest with the amount of time this is going to take this is probably taking us a good way through the year already but uh other stuff that i've had sticking around for quite a long time that i would like to take a look at um Again, not a part of sort of my philosophy on Moe Gamer, as I, I say quite frequently, is not necessarily to look at the best games, but to look at games that are going to be quite interesting for one reason or another. And another Idea Factory game that I've been meaning to look at for a long time uh, that isn't necessarily good, but sounds like it will be interesting, is uh, Trinity Universe uh, oh, yeah. on PS3, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is one that I, I've picked up for for ages. And, and for the unfamiliar, this is the game that they did before the first Neptunia game. So it's going to be clunky. It's going to run like shit. It's probably going to look like ass. Um, <laughs> Not as bad but, as a Project Cross Edge or whatever that game was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm just really interested in this because it's, it's, it's another game where they've sort of brought in crossover characters from various different uh, publishers in some cases. I think it's one of the Edna characters right? in there. Yeah, Etna's in there, and and very sad. I think Flon might be in there as well. Um, so yeah, it, it sounds like a, an interesting game, and it's not one that I see, not one that I've seen any talk about anywhere on the internet. And as a sort of probably one of the first games of Idea Factory's modern era, um, I think that would yeah. be a really interesting one to look at. So yeah, that, that's one that I think I might try and squeeze in this year. Trinity Universe is kind of the third game in a series that started back on the PS2, which started with Chaos Wars. Yeah. And then and then uh, Cross Edge and then Trinity Universe. Yes, um, yes. All of which are just barely playable. <laughs> they're, they're barely, I don't know, I never played Trinity Universe, but Chaos, Chaos Wars and Cross Edge are like only games in the sense that they exist. And someone <laughs> pressed them to like it's it's not a good time, and I'm, and I'm fairly forgiving, but uh, clearly I own them all. 
because there's something delightful about the possibility of playing an RPG where you can have, like, Gungrave and, like, characters from Summon Knight in the same party. Yeah, and then like yeah. more again from Dark Soccer shows up. <laughs> like it's <laughs> like it's it's not it's delightful nonsense, but they are rough. Yeah, yeah. I think I have Cross Edge as well, so it might be interesting to at least take a, a passing glance at that, even if I don't sort of play it all the way through. But uh, what was it, what was the first one called? Chaos Chaos Wars. Yeah, I don't think it's on PS PS Two, and it's a um, it's a strategy game, a uh, turn based strategy game. Uh, that one didn't come out over here, so yeah, I, I don't have easy access to that one. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely got Cross Edge and Trinity Universe, so they, those might be interesting to have a look at, just for just from a sort of look how far they've come perspective. Sure. But, uh, yeah, and then and like you say, there's there's a really interesting mix of characters in these. So like Cross Edge, for example, has got it's got a bunch of original characters, but then it's got um, characters from Atelier Murray, uh, Manakemia Two, Darkstalkers, Disgaea, Artadelico, Spectral Souls, and Blazing Souls. Um, and then Trinity Universe, like I say, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, like you say, Etna's in there. Um, who else is in there? Let's have a look. So again, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of original characters. There's Flon, Etna, and Prinny from Disgaea. Uh, there's Pamela and Violet from Atelier as well. So. I love Pamela. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean that's 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 a tentative plan. Like I say, that's that's going to be sort of a challenge to do because it's it's probably going to be difficult to go back to that kind of game. Uh, but you know, I, I mean, I've 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 done quite worse. So <laughs> what was that other I, series then that they spun off from Trinity Universe? Not sure. They did that other series that they spun off from Trinity Universe, kind of taking the design philosophies of Trinity Universe, but like removing the like cross franchise like mix philosophies. So it was all original characters. Hmm. Not sure. It, it had character art from the guy who did um, uh, Death End Request and Mary Skelter, and um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's going to drive me crazy. Hmm. I, I I don't remember. I, that doesn't sound familiar to me at all. But uh, yeah, I, d I don't doubt you at all. But there's two of them. Mugen Souls. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have both of them as well. Yeah, Mugen Souls. Yeah, I I sort of hadn't made the connection there, but that that's got a very sort of Disgaea style aesthetic to it. Um, and the the sort of concept of that is quite entertaining. It's it, it's sort of a game where you're playing a bad guy. Um. I feel like that sort of um, evolved into what would later become Trillion God of Destruction as well, which is another game I need to play. Yes, uh, from from them, which I haven't touched yet. That's been on my shelf for several years at this point. That's that's a real sort of pile of shame entry there. <laughs> that one is that one is supposed to be like genuinely pretty good as well. So, yeah. Evidently, a lot of Idea Factory in my near future. And I haven't even mentioned anything that is coming out next year. At this point, I can't even think of stuff that's coming out next year. <laughs> just because <laughs> I've got so much stuff on my shelf that, like, yeah, I should really get around to play that soon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know how it is. You know how it is. I do. I do. I have a few things that I'm super excited for for last year. I've mentioned some of them already. Um, mm-hmm. Persona 5 Royal being chief yep. among them, because I never played yep, yep. the original. I've been holding off all this time. 
Mm-hmm. For you'll hate what it. it. You'll have a great time. Yeah. What's that? You'll hate it, and you'll have a great yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, but whatever. <laughs> What's her name? Makoto? Yeah. I'll stick it out. Yeah. I'll stick it out for that bike. Um, I also can't wait for the Mega Man Zero ZX Legacy Collection. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, because, uh, first of all, Inta creates, huzzah, um, everything they make is solid gold. Um, mm-hmm. And also because um, I love these games, like, they're, they're wonderful games. Um, but I just have always had trouble playing, um, like, really reflex-heavy challenging games on the DS. Between yeah, the, yeah. Di- the digital buttons and the just, like, the ergonomics of the DS, like, I can never really crack these games. So... Yeah. To play ZX and ZX Advent specifically with a good quality controller on a TV is just something I've wanted for years. So this is a yeah. really, really great opportunity. And just from a historical and a collector's perspective, with the exception of some like weird offshoot stuff like Rockman and Bass and Network Transmission, like this collection is going to be one of four that essentially makes it possible to own almost all the side-scrolling Mega Man titles on like one platform. Yeah, you can have Meg- Mega Man one through eleven, all the all the original X games, and now the Zero and ZX collection, mm-hmm. all all together unified on modern platforms. Like this is pretty amazing if you're a Mega Man fan. Yeah. They need to. Capcom needs to pull their head out of their bum and put a uh, a Legends one, two, and Misadventures of Tron Bond pack together next. Yes, yes, definitely. Ripe for a, a resurrection, those I'm sure. And it's not as if there's not demand for them. <laughs> no, so much demand. People love those games. Uh, let's see. This. I'm not even going to talk about FF Seven remake because duh. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, d- duh. <laughs> um, Trials of Mana. Yep, yep. Um, just, just ignoring the legacy of Seekin Densetsu Three, like, which it's a remake of. It's just pretty glorious that we're being given like a new, lush, brightly colored aesthetic, colorful action RPG. Yeah, yeah. like it just looks beautiful. It looks like a good time. So I'm very excited about that. Um, coming back to Mary Skelter, um, I'm really excited for um, a lot of the games I've pre-ordered as part of Limited Run's distribution deal with Compile yes, Hard yeah. and Ideal Factor- Idea Factory. So, like, um, you know, talking about dungeon crawlers, like obviously the Mary Skelter two that also includes Mary Skelter one for the Switch yep. is a great pickup. I also bought in for uh, Moero Chronicle H. Oh yes, yes, I think I did as well. I, yeah. I already own the Vita version, but yeah, it'll just be nice to have it on the Switch. Because everything is better on Switch. It's as true. Say. It's true. <laughs> uh, and also, I got uh, Azure Lane Crosswave, which oh, yes. I'm yep. pretty excited about because I really like um, I really like Felistella, the developer of that. Like they've mm-hmm. made a lot of cool stuff. Um, I think we can all agree that the Neptunia Rebirth series was really good. Yep. Um, yep. Plus, they were responsible for some of the later Summon Night titles, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. So um, I've got a, I've always had an eye on them in terms of kind of as a third party developer, um, and, and Crosswave just to kind of going back to what I was talking about Hero Land. It's so radically like weird and different from any other game I've played. 
It yeah. almost looks to fuse kind of because you're like a boat girl on the water. Like this, yeah. the, the glidey movement actually reminds me a lot of Virtual On if you watch footage oh, yeah, yeah. of it in action. So it yeah. almost looks like a combination of like Virtual On with like enemy fighting. Like almost feels like Virtual On like plus Muso in a lot of ways, right? You're in these like big open fields of these water these oceans and you're just like gliding around and like third person shooting there's a real like feeling that it's bullet hell extrapolated to a third person view yeah yeah which is kind of cool so like this game has the potential to be kind of really neat yeah so i i don't know if you've um i don't know if you've looked at the mobile game at all but uh, i i had a quick look at it uh, a while back assuming it was going to be something similar to um uh, girls frontline which was a a tactical turn based RPG, but no, it's a shoot 'em up, and like I I was was not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. This this is this sort of combining um sort of elements of shoot 'em up games with like you say sort of a, a, a sort of Musou style feel to it, and uh, of course cute ship girls who are some of the most popular characters for fan artists out there. There are so much fan art for Azure Lane girls out there, uh, which is good because they're all hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Between that, what's the other one with the ship girls? The Kane Collect? Um, uh, yeah, Kantai Collection. Kantai um, Collection. That, that's, that's kind of. Um, I'm not going to say it's, it's declined in popularity because the, the, the game is still doing very well in uh, Asia. But uh, that one is sort of a bit less well known over here just because the, the game never got an official release over here. Oh, so, okay. like, the only way to play Kantai Collection is. Um, it's sort of doing various VPN type stuff with browsers and that sort of thing. So nah. pe- people don't tend to talk about that quite as much. And of course, you can't engage with the story side of things as much if you don't speak Japanese as well. So sure. um, that did get an anime uh, that was sort of reasonably well received. Um, but a- Azure Lane is the, is the hotness with ship girls right now. So, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. yeah, I kind of get them mixed like- up from time to time because I remember it's, when it's easy enough to do huge. because they 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 have. They have personifications of a lot of the same ships, um, but with like radically different character designs. So um, it's it's quite easy to get them confused. But um, yeah, Azure Lane is definitely the the hotness as so far as ship girls goes at the moment. So <laughs> in, in the broad swath of ship girls as a category, Azure, yeah, Azure yeah. Lane is the way to go. Yeah, and and those aren't the only two as well. I, I I follow a couple of people who are like big into their gacha games online, and there's there are at least five or six active games that are just ship girls at the minute <laughs> um yeah azure lane is by far sort of the most popular of them but the, yeah that you, you keep seeing like the same names coming up and it's like completely different character design it's like oh i've not seen that skin before it's like no it's a completely different game <laughs> that's fun <laughs> uh yeah but yeah i do love the character designs in azure lane it's absolutely gorgeous and like i say so much fan art out there and it's even some of it some of it isn't even porn uh. <laughs> a discerning there, selection of it is a non-pornographic image yes there is there is also some quality pornography of them out there as well so i, th- I believe we've talked about rinhe before <laughs> potentially we talk yeah. about a lot of waifus on here i, I, lose, <laughs> I lose track of them yeah yeah, so, so I'm looking forward to that. I uh, I accidentally made the mistake of uh, pre-ordering from Limited Run before I realised that um, Idea Factory Europe were releasing their own limited edition. Oh. So I, um, 
for future reference, uh, you can't cancel a limited run uh, pre-order and get all your money back. Yeah, you only get like two, two, th two thirds of your money back. Um, just so you know, if anyone falls into the same situation that I did, I, I mean, I'm not mad at them or anything like that. They do spell that out fairly clearly on their website, and I should have paid attention to it. But uh, yeah, so I'm getting the the European limited edition of that when that comes out, and that's that's early next year, I think. So yeah, that that's definitely worth uh, definitely one I'm looking forward to having a look at. So. Yes, I mean, that's really all I had listed. Um, I mean, obviously, there's loads of stuff always coming, right? The, yeah. the, La, the La Mulana yeah. collection that I had mentioned prior. Really looking mm -hmm. forward to that. Um, there's some other things. Uh, da, 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 da. Snack World, which we, I know we've talked about. Oh, yeah, before. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can't wait for that. Um, Surely hoping we get more information on the the new Yakuza. Yep, the, yep. the RPG style one, like a dragon. Um, I'm sure we'll get a Western release for that. Whether or not that happens in 2020, I don't know. But that's obviously yeah. worth getting excited for. Yeah, Sega's been pretty good about those um, yeah. those coming over fairly quickly now. Oh, and there's the there's the Yakuza Remaster Collection, of course, as well. Yes, that's in that's... what February, I think. Yep. Yep, February. I don't know about your region, but in the states, it's uh, yeah. February 11th. I, I think it's the same over here. I've got that. I've got that locked down on pre-order the moment they announce that. So. Same. <laughs> same. Yeah, I mean February is also a bit of a hell month. Like I was bitching. Yeah. About, I was bitching about March, but February is Yakuza Remaster Collection, Mega Man ZX Legacy. This is just the stuff I have pre-ordered. Yeah, Yakuza yeah. Remaster Collection, Mega Man ZX Legacy, Snack World Gold, uh, the physical release for the uh diablo style darksiders spinoff darksiders yep. genesis and yep. the bayonetta vanquish bundle mm -hmm. and that's just the stuff i am interested in <laughs> so yeah yeah crazy i remember back in the ps3 days when you were lucky if there was a game a month that was interesting for fans of the types of games we like <laughs> yeah yeah no i was i was i was actually thinking about this uh in the last couple of days one of the things that i find really interesting about the current generation of gaming is that it's much easier for everyone to create a unique library of stuff that they own uh -huh. because if you, if you if you think back to like the 360 and and the ps3 like most people you know probably owned most of the same games yeah whereas whereas sort of in the ps4 era and and the switch era with with all this limited run stuff it's it's very easy to create a completely unique collection of games from anyone else you know and for someone to look at your game shelf and go i've not heard of any of these um i think that's really cool that's yeah, really like cool and i i hope that's something that continues I've got a, a good friend who I, I get together to game with maybe once every two weeks we have a game night. And like mm -hmm. specifically our game night consists of me bringing over a pile of just the weirdest shit I have that he's probably never heard of. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like is introducing him to new games, different games. And we have such a wonderful time doing this and he loves it. And I have such fun doing it. And like, it almost always ends up with him, like getting at least one or two of the games I brought over. Like I've yeah. introduced him to like Sundered this way, enter the gungeon, just like a bunch of cool indie stuff that he never mm -hmm. would have heard of. But, um, yeah, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on this podcast before. I've definitely talked about it in some of my videos, but 
roughly well roughly once a year at this point the the, the rate we're going um i managed to 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 get some friends over for what i call the davison cup um which normally coincides with my birthday and what i do there is I, I i figure out sort of a playlist of games that sort of takes people through time starting from 2600 games on atari flashback classics and moving on uh, sort of through through the different generations of games and we do some some sort of challenges and we we keep a scoreboard of who's won them and who got the best score and that sort of thing and that that's like my one opportunity a year to to sit these friends down and go look Look, there is stuff other than Skyrim and The Witcher 3. <laughs> and it's it's always a good time. It's always a really good time because we, it gives me the opportunity to sort of celebrate some of these games that I love so much. And it gives them the opportunity to try some stuff that they probably wouldn't have given a second glance if someone didn't plonk them down in front of it and say, play this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, every new year also brings a ton of that. Just, Just literally, like, part of the reasoning I use with some of the games I buy is, like, can I, is this something new and special and different that I can show show people to yeah, kind of expand yeah. their gaming vocabulary and expand the way they think about games? Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, a ton of, ton of that stuff on the horizon as well. <laughs> so good yeah, stuff. All right. Yeah, going to be a good year. Going to be a good year. Like I say, not necessarily for stuff that I'm going to buy next year, but certainly for stuff that I've wanted to play for a long time. And I'm sure you're the same. So we'll see how well I do with these resolutions by the end of next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. Well, uh, I think that's probably a good place to, to hold it there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. As usual, would you like to tell people where to find you online? Sure. You can always check out my artwork on my website, mrgilderpixels.com. I'm also available on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Gilder Pixels. Um, I did recently invest in quite a bit of new material, so I'm going to be doing a lot of cool uh, wooden pixel art characters uh, coming up very soon, so please keep an eye out for that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really love those. So I'm looking forward to see some more of those. Um, yeah. And you can find my writing uh, most days on moegamer.net. And you can find my various YouTube series on my YouTube channel, which you may be watching this on. If you're listening on SoundCloud, you can find the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash EJ Pierre, which is my old 90s username, which I still have. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube and you would like to subscribe to the audio-only version of the podcast, you can do so at soundcloud.com forward slash Gamer. We're also on iTunes and on Spotify as well, so you can find us in all sorts of different places around the internet. Right, just remains for us to say then, uh, Merry Christmas, slightly belated, and Happy New Year and Happy New Decade, I guess. So we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can watch a video version of it over on YouTube. Be sure to check out moegamer.net for new articles on Japanese and Japanese-inspired video games, new and old, every weekday. 
Every month, Moe Gamer features an in-depth exploration of an individual game or series as its cover game, so be sure to check the archives to see if your favourite has had a deep dive yet. If you'd like to support the site directly, please consider becoming a patron or buying me a coffee. You can find links to do both over on moegamer.net. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.